This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The title of it is Prayer Fruit. How to get God's results every time you pray. How to get God's results every time you pray. Every time you pray. You know, this is not like Russian roulette or something. It's like throwing dice and saying, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. God's Word guarantees us how to get answers to prayer when we pray God's way. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And as, as I was praying more before I came over here, I, I, wrote, I wrote some things down here I want to share with you as we get into the sermon. You can open up to John chapter 15. We're going to be starting off with John 15, verse 7 and 8. Give you a chance to get there. And then, you know, I, I have some thoughts. You know, you know the book that we're talking about that we are uh, using to show you about the times we live in and things to do, etc. Remember the Lord told me in that, in that uh, teaching back in 2021, wrote my journal, that what always precedes a major move of God is prayer. Leadership and unity. And so it seems like the Lord's starting to draw me that direction to teach more on prayer. The God kind of prayer. You know, every, every, everybody that's born again probably prays, but a lot of people just pray when they're in crisis and then forget about how to pray later on until they need some more help again. And you know, it's just like, uh, you know, what I call the Jimmy prayer. A lot of people, all they know how to pray because they're so self-centered on their own life and always the devil always throws fires their way, so they're always putting out fires. And so all they all know how to pray is, my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you give me. You know, but if we're going to see the kind of move of God that God wants to do, and it's got to start in your own life. God moving in your own life, then in your own family, in your church, to spread to the city. Did anybody ever watch the old Bonanza show? Remember the start of that screen there? Show, it shows Nevada, that fire starts that map, and all of a sudden that fire spreads out. Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost? The fire came down. Amen. It settled on all of them as individuals. They individually got the fire of the Holy Ghost, and then they spread out, and they took the gospel out. God moved, but God didn't move till they moved. They got in position... For God to do something, what was that position? About 120 of them were gathered together in the upper room of the day of Pentecost. How long were they up there? Till they got the job done. They got together and they prayed. And you know that, that any prayer group is only going to be as strong as the prayers in the group as individuals. You know, if all you got spectators in a prayer group, you're not going to get much. Well, you got people come to it. This, this, no, this is planned. This is just coming out, rolling down. This not, this is just coming out. But we got to know this. For a prayer group to be strong, you can't have spectators. You got to have participators. And the way you participate in an active prayer group to get the job done is you pray before you ever get there. And you know, as we lead prayer, as leaders, as when we're leading prayer groups, we don't just be watching, you know, some goofy television show and things like that and then look at the watch. Oh, it's time to get to prayer. No, we're already prayed up before we get to prayer. We're, all, we're already here for the Holy Ghost before we ever get there. And, you know, we always advise people in our prayer groups, be prayed up when you get here so God could use you in the praying. Amen. And so anyway, what I want to say this before we get into, into the lesson is this. And this, this is some things that uh, 
you may not really know the difference because you haven't been taught a whole lot, but uh, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preach simply means to proclaim, and teach means to explain. Preaching tells the good news, but teaching shows you how to get the good news to come to pass in your life. Preaching gives you hope. Teaching shows you how to turn hope into reality. You gotta have hope before you can have faith. And Jesus did both. Jesus preached to the crowds, and then he taught, he taught to the ones that were ready to receive because they'd been pumped up first, know that there was more. You've gotta have hope before you step into faith. Preaching plants the word, teaching waters the word. See, a lot of people don't understand that, how this works. And, you know, I think everybody here, and I still experience this when I go to services where there's things that I need to hear I haven't heard yet. The first time you hear something, you get all excited. You know what that is? That's a seed getting into your spirit. And Jesus said our hearts are God's soil. And don't you think that that seed gets excited when it gets out of that packet or out of that bag gets planted to the ground, it thinks, wow, now I can do something. But if you don't water the seed, it'll not grow. It'll not germinate. And so see, a lot of Christians, they go to services, they listen to Internet things, they hear things, and they hear some preacher preach, and they get all excited. Oh, I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be broke anymore. My marriage doesn't have to fail. This can come out of this. My children don't have to be out there getting all messed up in life. There's hope for them. But if they don't come back and keep hearing to get that seed watered by teaching them for the seed's been planted, all they ever have is hope, and hope doesn't receive from God. Hope precedes faith. You know, you look at Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. And so anyway, tonight, tonight I'm going to do a little preaching, but mostly teaching. And that's why I say take notes, because we're going to see some things. And I like the way my pastor, when I was a, a, a new Christian, he always said it like this. Uh, he'd say, like, there's a place that you hear about that everything is really good. they got good people. There's prosperity. Everybody's loving and stuff like that. Say, man, God wants you to have that. They get you all pumped up. And I've been around churches like that. There's all preaching, no teaching. You keep thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I get there? They just keep telling you every service. God doesn't want you broke. God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. Oh, God wants you to have the best. And they shout and they spit and they carry on. You think, man, I want it too. I want it too. And then they say, hey, man, service is over. But then a teacher tells you, now listen, I want to tell you, there's this place. And all these good things are there. Now get out your pens, and I'm going to show you how to get there. Now write down the step. Number one, to get to this location, go out here to the 15. No, I'm talking about a natural location, how this works. You know, what good would it be for us to tell you about some really wonderful place in California to get there, and you don't know what road to get on? And then you don't know what exit to get on to get to the next road. So step-by-step, teacher will tell you, here's what you do if you want to get to such and such a city. You get down here, then you get down here, 
And now you got goofy Google and all that kind of stuff there to tell you. And take the fork. Well, before they had all those Google instructions, it was really hard to go places sometimes. And so what I'm telling you, I'm going to show you how to know not just God's will in the word, but God's will for your life, what he wants you to be doing. How, how many want to hear that? Amen. Well, we'll be note takers. Because, as I said, if you don't take notes, you're not going to hear this one again. You need to write it down. Take your own notes. It's if you're going to be a student of the Word, then you're going to have to be able to start taking some notes so you can pass the test. How many know there's tests in life on a regular basis? And, you know, I look at the different school teacher type people and ones in here that have taught things and, and teach other people stuff like that. Well, if your students don't come to class and bring notebooks and pen and pencil, then how, how are you going to feel sorry for them when they flunk the test because they never paid any attention? I mean, you can feel sorry for people, but you can't take the test for them. And so anyway, I'm going to look at a, some scriptural prayer tonight that I in my own personal life have prayed probably more than any other type of prayer if followed the plan of God for my life. But first, I'm going to look at a couple of places here to set up where I'm headed. And so John 15 Verse 7 and verse 8, Jesus said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Well, a lot of Christians, too many Christians, leave out that middle part. I wonder why their prayers don't get answered. If Jesus would have just said, If you abide in me, in me, ask what you will, it will be done unto you, we'd all have it made. All of our prayers would always be answered. But Jesus put a qualification in there. He said, you've got to be a person of the word. He said, not only do you abide in me, well, that's easy. Let Jesus become your savior. And then you're abiding in him because you're born again. But then he said, the next step then for answered prayer is my words have got to live in you. My words have got to abide in you. Then ask what you will that shall be done unto you. And so I'd like to say it this way. What Jesus said was, when you pray the word, you're praying the answer. If I stopped right there, you'd have enough to go home with. That, if you really got the revelation of what Jesus said and what I just explained, you notice I shifted from preaching, proclaiming to teaching, explaining? I explained it to you. Jesus told you right there, that's the number one key to answer prayer. You pray the word, you're praying the answer. Jesus, when you study the life of Jesus, Jesus never prayed the problem. He always prayed the answer. Think about that. He never prayed the problem. He prayed the answer. When you've got the problem already, why do you want to tell Jesus all about your problem over and over and over and over and over and over again? Do you think he's senile or something, didn't understand it? You need to start talking the answer, praying the answer. And so anyway, he says then in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And the fruit Jesus is talking about here is prayer fruit. Is prayer fruit. And when you read the verses before this, which because this is the main lesson, we're not going to read the ones before you read the ones before this. Jesus said, now you're clean through the word which is spoken unto you. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
Then he asked what will be done to you. And then he said that his father will prune you through the word so you can bear more fruit. And then he tells you what that fruit is. It's prayer fruit. And so the word of God will prune stuff off our life that are life suckers, that are faith suckers. You'll get those sucker branches off. You know, I learned how to sucker things back in Indiana. And the main thing I learned all was tomato plants. Did real good out there. At one time, a master gardener showed me how to notice the different branches on a tomato vine. And some branches get great big and leafy, but they'll never get a tomato. So you cut those off. And then when the, when the, when the stuff comes up from the roots into the main trunk, they don't go out to the branches that actually have tomatoes on them. They'll get bigger and bigger. And so I learned that I always trim my tomato plants. And my tomato plants look so different than a lot of other people's because they had great big bushy things. Not a lot of tomatoes. Mine had few branches, but big tomatoes. And now I got pistachio trees. And so I took that same principle to my pistachio trees, and I know now the ones that are fruit bearers, the ones that's not, and I cut those off. I studied those, learned what to do. And so then the master, the master gardener, the father, Jesus said, the father's the husbandman, said he prunes you. And so in your life sometimes, God will be dealing with you. You're spending too much time on looking at this on your phone. You're spending too much time doing this, spending too much time doing that, and you wonder why your faith level's low, why you're not bearing the fruit you ought to be bearing. And God says, I'm trying to prune you. I'm trying to clean you up. But he says, you get pruned through the word. And so we have to yield. We have to yield to the husbandman, the father, so we can bear more fruit. Amen? He said, every branch that bears not fruit, he cuts it off. And so we need to be willing to let the Holy Spirit cut some things off our life. Now look at 1 John 5, verse 14 and verse 15. 1 John 5. And these first couple passages I'm looking at are really, if you're paying close attention, setting you up for where I'm going to take you to, to show you how to pray and how to know the perfect will of God for your life. It's really not that hard if you're a serious word person. If you're a serious Bible person, it's really not that hard to know how to follow God's perfect will, his plan for your life. And so 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, John said, and how me know that John was one of, one of Jesus' closest disciples? You know, I, you know, something that just a little side note that always, that always touches my heart. When Jesus was up there on the cross getting ready to take his last breath, he looked down and he said, Mother, there's your son. He said, Son, there's your mother. He was saying, John, I trust you to take care of my mom after I leave. And so John was pretty close. I mean, that just kind of gives me chills thinking about that. That's the last thing he thought of was taking care of his mom. And John's the one he trusted to do it. And if you know, if you know uh, some Bible history, you know that John outlasted all of them, too. He lived a long, long time and got to finish what God wanted him to do. And so he says here, John said, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You know what he doesn't hear? What he tunes out? Whining, murmuring, complaining, unbelief. The, oh, God, don't you care stuff. Oh, God, don't you care. He cares. That's why he sent Bible teachers of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, so you'll know what to do. Amen? He says, He heareth us. And then if we know that He hear us, 
Well, how do we know if he hears us? Well, I said we ask according to his will. Then we know that he hears us. What's ever we ask? And then we know that we have the petitions. That's prayer petitions that we desired of him. And so what he's saying here is this, that when we pray the will of God, well, number one, it's easy to know the general will of God. Read your Bible. And the Bible teaches us very plainly, he wants all believers to read their Bible, to pray, to be hooked up with the church and a pastor and a church family, and then to do what he tells you to do to help the family and be a part of the family, to participate. That, that, that's the word of God. That's the will of God. So we know that. We know that he wants you to be a tither, a person gives you 10%. He teaches us we're supposed to watch our words. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to forgive people. On and on and on and on. We know the written, we know the written will of God because it's the word of God. So we can always pray the word, but, you know, uh, Pastor Dave talked this morning, he said, what about us coming to California? You know, I didn't find in the Bible any place where I could find my name said move to California. <laughs> I never found any place in there. That said, there's a place in California called Barstow that has a church called High Desert Word Center. And I didn't find a chapter verse that said go there. But we're going to look at the Word of God, how I do to go here, and how success happened. As a matter of fact, when we pioneered our first church back in Indiana, I was a Teamster truck driver for a lot of years. Matter of fact, I got 28 years of driving big trucks under my belt. And so I didn't see in the Bible anywhere where it said... Move from Noblesville, Indiana, to Martinsville, Indiana, to people you don't know, and start a church to the YMCA. And then on top of that, cut your teamsters pension short and get out of the truck. Wasn't in the Bible. But we knew how to do what I'm going to teach you tonight, how to pray and find out the will of God, then what to do to see it come to pass. You know... I know that when I, when I first got saved, I knew this really very wonderful older guy. He doesn't seem as old now as he did back then, but he was 83 years old. It seemed pretty old then, but now that I'm getting ready to celebrate a really good birthday next week, 83 doesn't seem all that old now, but I guess it might be. Some of you might think 70's old. But when you're only 41 and a half years old on the inside, 70 doesn't seem that old. But anyway, this, this, this man had been saved for a long, 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 long time. Matter of fact, he was born in the 1800s. <laughs> but anyway, he became a really good friend, and he said all the time, and I'd imitate his voice, if I only knew the will of God. And I'd say, his name is Mr. Wright. I said, Mr. Wright, the Bible's the will of God. I said, start off with, I said, for those Bible verses you know, just start acting like they're true. Well, if I only knew the will of God. I say, Mr. Wright, the Bible's the will of God. He'll show you. Because he'd already read the Bible, but it was just a good book. And he was really, I said, I'm not, I know that man's in heaven a long time by now. But I think about so many Christians now that we minister to that come up to us all confused, befuddled in life, trying to figure out the will of God. I can tell you right now, you're never going to figure it out. Jesus said in John 4.23 that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Said in Genesis, 
we're created in God's image. So we're spirit being before we, before we get in our earth suits. And then he said in Romans 8, 14, sorry to quote you all the Bible verses, but it just comes out because you got to know them. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, not by reasoning, not by figuring it out. I'll tell you what I found out. Mrs. Pastor and I, in times past, when God was leading his directions, we've got the papers out and wrote down the pluses and the negatives on a decision we was about to make. Every time the negatives always outweighed the pluses. So you know what we've done every time we ever did that making decisions? We just tear the paper up and say, we know what God wants to do. Why are we trying to talk ourselves out of it? If the advantages of making a decision far outweigh the disadvantages, but God's leading you the way where the disadvantages are, then that takes faith to step out. You know, I think about Peter walking on water. We got out of the water so far so many years ago, we can't even see the shoreline now. And do you know, it's always scary to get out and start walking into the unknown. But let me tell you something, the blessings are great. I'm so glad to have eight children that are married to good spouses, all my grandchildren, my children, their mates, good moral people. No gangsters, no thugs. No bad people. We've raised our children right by following him and the plan of God. And it's so much easier. It's so much easier for children to follow you if you're full of peace. You can have troubled things all around you, but when you're full of God's peace, your children are going to get that peace. And then as they grow up, they step out in life, they're not going to pay attention to all the different attacks around them. They're going to keep their eyes on Jesus and turn out right. So yes, the advantages sometimes of going through hard times far outweigh the disadvantages. Because I learned years ago, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not looking at the temporary temporary hard times and following God because I'm looking at the overall fruit. That's what I want. How about you? Amen. And so anyway, anyway, uh, I, I want to say something about this verse. He says here that when we pray his word, we're praying his will, and then we receive our petitions. As I wrote this note down years ago in my Bible, every time I get a new Bible, I always write this by this verse here. Man made this statement. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflected his word back up at him. I've said that many times. You've never heard that. You ought to write that down. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflect his word back up at him. And that's so important for the next passage I'm taking you to, because this next passage, this next passage in Colossians chapter one is what I'm talking about that I've prayed over and over my Christian life. I've always known what to do and how to get there. And so I read these two verses first that uh, Jesus told us some things about prayer. And then the Apostle John told us some things about prayer. And they both said the same thing. They said, pray the word. Pray the word. And you'll always get answers. And so after that then, in Colossians chapter 3, I want to look at 
this Holy Spirit inspired prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote that's opened my eyes and my ears over and over again. How many of you really have the revelation that you have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears? And that your body is just the suit you live in to navigate through the earth. You know, I, I, I don't know at different levels of faith where people are all the time that's in a service or what's going on. But to me, it's been so real to me most of my Christian life that I'm living in two worlds. And I've got to have this earth suit to navigate in this world. But this earth suit isn't the real me. I've got to have a car to drive around, but the car's not me. It just takes me places. If I maintain the car right, it can take me places of more comfort and easy to get there. I take care of my body right. It's easy to travel through this earth. But one of these days, just like all over the desert, we've got car junkyards everywhere. People start them in the yards. At one point in time, those cars were nice, shiny, new things that took people places. Well, you look at some old people, and they get old, and you think, and then sometimes, you know, even our own lives, Mrs. Pastor and I, you know, we're getting a little bit up there, but we're not yet where we want to end up at. But we realize now there's things we can't do with these physical bodies that we used to do. And this, this past week, Mrs. Pastor made, made a choice, and so we did something I didn't think we'd ever do. She sold our last horse. And she, she said, I just realized that this horse is too much for me at my age now. And I can't take a chance on getting thrown off and getting messed up bad. So I would rather sell the horse while it's still young and got plenty of pep to somebody that can handle it rather than ride it. She said, if this been a few years down the road, I wouldn't have done that. And so our bodies get older. And some days our bodies are going to lay down. They're going to die. But we don't die. Our spirit on the inside will keep on doing what it's always doing. We'll go to heaven. We'll see Jesus face to face. People we know. People we love. And we're going to do what hopefully we're doing down here. Worshiping Jesus. And then we get to heaven. It won't take faith. Because we have sight. Down here we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Up there we've got the sight so we don't need faith in heaven. There's no battles to fight in heaven. But down here, to successfully navigate in this physical world, we've got to know how to navigate in the spiritual world. And that's why he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. To me, my senses, what I see, what I hear, what I taste, what I touch, what I smell, are like sensors on the dashboard of my car. If my car is getting overheated, I'll have a warning light or a gauge start telling me it's getting too hot. Well, if something's going on, if there's some kind of poison in the atmosphere, something catching on fire, the building I'm in, my nose, the sensor, tells me danger. If I'm driving down the road and my ears hear a siren and the thing's going off on a fire truck or an apple, something like that, my ears tell me, alert, 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 look around. And so that's just like your car having a sensor. Check the engine light. Check the engine light. There's something wrong. Check it out. And so I understand, and that's what I pray that you do, that your bodies have sensors, but all your body is is a vehicle that carries you. 
that when your body's done, you're not done. All you're doing at that last breath is leaving this one and going to the next one. But while we're here, the things I'm talking about, I'm going to be looking at here in Colossians chapter 1, is going to show you how successfully navigate, and this is your GPS system. This is your God system that's going to show you directions in life. And so Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 4, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 4, says this. And these things are crucial to get this, and I have sincerely prayed that people will receive revelation tonight to see this, so that you'll be able to finish all God has for you. Paul said this, since we heard of your faith, and I put a red line, a circle around faith, because that's key, in Christ Jesus, and the love, and I circled the love part, faith and love. That's keys to your Christian walk. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints, oh, not just the ones that go to your church, not just the ones that are in your political party, but all the saints, <clears throat> for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you, as is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as does also in you since the first day you heard of it, knew the grace of God. And so verse 3 and verse 4, he says, your faith and your love. And so he's saying this, always know and remember, faith works by love. He said, I heard of your faith and I heard of your love, so I know you're an active, fruit-bearing Christian. You don't just have faith, but you're walking in love. And so I know that your, your, that your life is bearing fruit. And so I'm, I'm going to give you a couple questions here now for yourself, just to think about. And I'm talking about you being able to get to the prayer. We're not to the prayer yet, but I'm going to show you about. But he's setting us up as he's saying these things. I learned this years ago. If my prayers weren't working and bearing fruit, the first two things I checked, number one, he said, I heard of your faith. Number one thing, I would always check my word level. If my faith were not working, first thing I would check is, am I having good quality Bible time? If your faith level has been way up for healing in the past, but your faith level for healing is not up there right now, I would examine myself how many healing passages I've been meditating in lately. How many Bible verses come out of my mouth if my body's attacked? Amen. The first thing in the area of life you want to check is your word level, if your faith is not producing. And then he said, and your love. And then number two, I'd ask myself a question. I'd ask Jesus to help me to see, how am I treating other people? Just study 1 Corinthians 13. Paul talked about all the great things, great faith people could have. But then he says, if I have not love, I'm nothing. And so that's what he's saying, setting up this praying here. He says, I've heard of your faith, and I've heard of your love. And then in verse 5 and 6, he said this. He said, for the hope laid up for you, where you've heard before in the word. I did circle the phrase, the word. 
He says, which lay up you in heaven, where before heard the word of the truth of the gospel. And the subject, talking about here's the word which has come unto you. The word came unto you, as is all the world. And the word bringeth forth fruit. See, difference between preaching and teaching. Teacher explains it to you. He said, the fruit in your life is because of the word that you hear. The fruit in your life because of the word that you hear. Lucky should never be in a Christian's vocabulary. Luck has nothing to do with the blessings of God. I found out that the people that look to luck have more bad luck than good luck, if there were such a thing. But he said the word breaks forth the fruit. So when good things happen, it's not because you were lucky. It's because the word you heard brought forth fruit. The word working in your life. And so when the word of God is taught, and people receive it, like you are tonight, receive it and act on it, it always bears fruit in their lives. In your family, in your job, in your business, your ministry, and in any area of influence in life, Jesus said, remember, and my words abide in you. And so, because of that, then Paul showed you how he prayed for you, and then how you can pray for yourself and know the will of God, but first of all, Paul's saying that you're already set up to receive because, number one, you're a faith person, means you're a word person, you're a Bible person. Number two, you walk in love. Number three, you have the revelation that any good thing you get in life is because of the Word of God working in your life. Amen? And so Paul said that to understand those things. And so now we're going to look at this prayer in verse 9 through 14. And I wrote down, I like to call it this, how to know and fulfill God's plan for your life. How to know and fulfill. You know, I think about, I think about the plan of God. It's one thing to know God has a good plan. It's another thing to know the plan. You know, everybody loves Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. But then when you read Jeremiah 29, verse 11 and 12, he says, when you seek me, when you search for me with all your heart, says, then I'll be found of you. And then, of course, in Habakkuk, he said this. He said, go to your prayer place. Said, then when you see the plan, write it down. Says, it'll come to pass, but you got to be patient and it'll surely come to pass. And so how to know and fulfill God's plan for your life. And so verse 9 This is the prayer, and I've prayed this I don't know how many times in the last probably 40-some years. Last How how many times I've prayed this, but it's always got me from point A to point B and closer to my end goal. And what's what's my goal? To stand in front of Jesus on that day and hear him look at me and say, Bernie, I'm proud of you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou to the joy of thy Lord. You fulfilled my plan for your life. You didn't just know it, but you went through obstacles. You spoke to mountains, said, mountain be removed, you're not holding me back. Money, you're not holding me back. Sickness, you're not holding me back. Depression, you're not holding me back. Obstinate people, you're not holding me back. I'm getting us out of this mountain. This mountain's removed in the name of Jesus. And then you didn't, you didn't just wait for the mountain to move. You started walking. 
And that's what we're talking about. Pastor Dave hit on this this morning, that we as believers have to know. And, you know, I, I guess it just amazes me how some Christians are so carnal to know that God's real that they let, they let the devil be like the big bad wolf of that nursery rhyme, or that fairy tale, whatever you want to call it. Huff and puff and blow your house down. And the first time he shows his thing and goes, boo, they run and hide. Instead of standing there and saying, no, my house is built upon the rock. And my house is stand, devil. You're not knocking my house down. And what's your house? Your house is whatever it is God has you doing. And you build on this foundation of the word of God where the devil comes. Instead of running from the battle, be like little David did back in Goliath's days. He ran to the giant. Didn't run away from him because he knew God was with him. How many here... And this is not a setup. I don't set up people. How many here in your heart of hearts, you really know that Jesus is real? And that, that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. That, that God is real. He has a plan for your life. Well, why, why, why would you ever again quit on a project God gives you? Why would you quit head the direction he has for you to go because trouble hits? Oh, man, my brethren, this thing's ought not so to be. And so anyway, I want you to notice that in verse 9, for this cause, we also, since day we heard it, do I cease to pray for you? For what cause? You know, when I read the Bible, I always have question marks when I see phrases. For this cause, what cause? Well, we just told you. Because you already are walking in faith and love, you understand that, that the Word of God is more real than circumstances, that the Word of God will bring forth fruit. And so Paul said, because you've matured to the place, you're a faith person, you love people, you don't, you don't have that thing in you, I don't get mad, I get even, you forgive no matter what comes your way, you forgive, you walk in faith, you walk in love, and then whenever you're faced a problem, and people say, what are we going to do? Then your first thing is, what's the Bible say? You get a medical diagnosis, what's the word say? You lose your job, your first thing is, what's the word say? You're having trouble with your kids, what's the word say? Having trouble with your neighbors, what's the word say? Some politician comes in and makes some goofy statement, we're going to change this, change this, and you notice you're going to really hurt your family. Your first thing is, what's the word say? And so that's what Paul said. He said, for this cause, because you have learned the value of the word, now I'm going to show you how I'm praying for you. And keep it in mind, these words are spirit-inspired, so this is the Holy Spirit showing Paul how to pray for believers that want to grow in God and follow God's plan of purpose for their life. And so you understand that any good thing is going to come from the Word of God and you pray in the Word. So verse 9, he says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do I cease to pray for you to desire? Now look at this, <clears throat> that you might be filled, and I like to say this the way the Greek says it, you might be filled with the exact and precise knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now listen to me what I'm saying. You're wondering how to know the will of God for your life? He says you pray that God will fill you with the exact and precise knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
And so I like to call this seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing what to do. And this is talking about seeing and knowing God's plan for your life. And more exactly, knowing the steps of action one by one to begin to accomplish God's plan and God's purpose. The wisdom of God is talking about the plan of God. The knowledge of God is knowing what to do to start walking out that plan. I want to say it again. It's one thing to know God wants you prospering, having a good life financially. It's another thing knowing how to accomplish that. And of course, the written word of God tells you one thing. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. Give and it shall be given unto you. If you never take that step, you'll never prosper God's way. You might have some money in the bank. But what about your family? Are they going bankrupt? Life's more than money. But the first step to all of it, God tells you in the written word, is be a person that gives him 10% faithfully. Be a person that's willing to give. And those kind of things. Well, the wisdom of God, the plan of God, is 3 John 2. Above all else, I want you to prosper and be in health. Well, how do you do that? What's the steps? You tithe. You love. That's all connected to your health. The steps. If you never take the steps, then you're never going to get what God said yours. But here we're talking about knowing the exact precise knowledge of His will, His plan, and the steps of action. And you know, I, I learned so many years ago when I was in the truck driving world, uh, you know, everybody knows that we've been around a while. I got a truck in in 1969. Well, some of you probably weren't even born in 1969. Well, my first several years of trucking, trucking was very good. I was a teacher's truck driver. Back in those days, Teamsters were the main truckers. We had good contracts. We made good money. But then in, in the 1970s, they did a thing called deregulation. And all of a sudden, trucking companies been around since the start of the 1900s, started going bankrupt and going under. And all of a sudden, truck drivers by the tens of thousands were out of work. Didn't know what to do. Well, when I got bored again in January 1980, even after I got bored again, Trucking companies were still going down and falling. And every time, I had no fear anymore. I'd always look to Jesus. I'd pray these prayers out of here. Thank you, Lord, for filling me the exact and precise knowledge of your will. And there was times that I'd end up in two or three offers. And I would always listen on the inside and on the inside because I prayed in faith. Lord, I want to thank you. You are showing me. You are leading me what to do. And I didn't go by reasoning. I went by leading by the Holy Spirit, because he said he would fill me with the exact and precise knowledge of his will. And so, because I was in this for the long haul, I wasn't looking for short-term blessings. I was looking to follow Jesus, and I always considered my trucking job as my mission field. Are you familiar with Matthew six thirty-three? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so I called my semi-trailer I pulled. And I wasn't talking about little trucks. I drove the biggest ones. I called my semi-trailer my chapel on wheels. 
I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't, a, I wasn't even a, a Bible teacher. I was a Christian following Jesus. And so I called my trailer that I pulled full of freight. I called that my church. And every time I backed into a truck dock or a warehouse or a machine shop, wherever I had goods to go to, I always walked around my truck before I started that day. I said, I'm drawing a bloodline around this truck. This is off limits to you, Satan. This has been used by God for the gospel today. And when I'd back up to a dock, I'd walk to the back door, and there'd be a warehouse there full of messed up people. And I would get there. I did this time and time again. I'd walk in of it. I'd say, Satan, there's a bloodline right here. I don't care what kind of demons these people have or what's going on. They walk off of that dock into my trailer. They're my territory. They cross that bloodline. Satan, you'll stay quiet. And Father, I want to thank you for giving me tender-hearted people. That was a practice for what I'm doing tonight. I cannot tell you how many miracles I had over the years because people crossed there and it was anointed because I prayed over it, ready to go. And so what I'm saying is this. He filled me with the exact precise knowledge of his will. I wanted to be on the right job at the right time to go to the people that he had me to share him with. Amen. And so as you're seeking God and not just money and things in life, not just the comforts of life, but you're putting him first, you're going to see what the plan is. And the plan may be so contrary to what your Christian friends think and what your loving family thinks because they're looking through natural eyes. You're looking through spiritual eyes. And he said right here that Paul said, because you're walking in faith, you're walking in love, you know the value of the word. He said, therefore, I'm praying for you that God will fill you with the exact precise knowledge of his will in all wisdom, knowing the plan and spiritual understanding, the knowledge to know what to do. If you know the plan, then you got to understand, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I'll tell you, you know, I, that back when I was in trucking, trucking's coming out tonight. So, well, Jesus spoke in parables too. He said he gave, he gave natural illustrations to understand spiritual truth. That's a parable. And so many times back, back in those days, back in the seventies, when I was first really getting around in trucks, I, you always had to stop and ask somebody, come to town, you had to ask somebody. We didn't have maps. We didn't have Google. We didn't have anything. All we had to do was stop and see the guy standing at the gas station. Say, hey man, do you know where this place is? I cannot tell you how many times I read of these goofy people standing there rubbing their face. Yeah, I know where it is, but you can't get there from here. I heard that so many times. People think that's a joke. It's not a joke. I heard that. You can't get there from here. And so I'm telling you this. To follow God's plan for your life, you can't get there from here. By that, I mean you can't get there to figure it out. You get there in the spirit, the things I'm talking about. Every time you try to figure it out, then you have to try to work it out. Because when you pray it out, you just walk it out. I learned a long time ago, I'd rather pray it out and walk it out, try to figure it out, and then have to work it out. And they have to scrap it all and start over again, man. I, I got I got tired of losing time in life because I made wrong moves. And so anyway, 
Now notice this. He said with the exact precise knowledge of what the Spirit was saying, and why? So that you might walk. Well, if you're walking, if you're walking, what are you doing? You're taking a step. And you're taking another step. Do you know you can't walk unless you're taking steps? And it's really good to know where you're walking to. That's why he said, I'm praying for God to show you the plan, show you the steps. And then he said, so you might walk. Because if you don't walk, you're not taking the steps. It's so good. It's so good to have that testimony. Oh, I just know Jesus has a great job for me. I got laid off. I'm not in fear, Pastor. I know he's got a great job. Oh, I know he's got a good job. Well, you can't just sit home and collect unemployment. You can't just sit home and get fat. You can't just sit home and worry and watch, or watch TV all day long. Unless you start walking towards that job, you're never going to get it. And how are you going to walk towards that job if you don't know what you're supposed to walk to? And then if you know what you're supposed to walk to, you got to start taking those steps. And you know, I think about people of faith, what they don't understand is this. Because they try to figure it out in their head. I've heard this so many times with people in my prayer line. Pastor, they opened up five jobs at Fort Irwin, but there's 200 people ahead of me. And they're all more qualified here, more qualified there. And I think, wait a minute. Did he say in Psalms 91 that a thousand have fought my left hand, ten thousand my right hand? And so because you heard with your head there's giants in the land, you're not going to walk towards Fort Irwin? One of the biggest miracles I ever saw in my life was when my son Joe became a federal policeman out the Marine base at 18 years old. He had retired Marines and everybody else applied for those jobs. An 18-year-old boy that was a tither following Jesus became a federal policeman. All those people that were ahead of him in line because of their qualifications, God said, nope, I'm moving you to the front of the line. Why are you moving Joe to the front of the line? Because Joe believed him too. And Psalms 5.12 says, you're surrounded with favor as a shield. And so when God, when God, when you pray for God to show you what his perfect will is, and God shows you the next step, don't start whining and say, but God, you know, I don't have this. I don't have that. Why you say, I want to thank you, Jesus. I have you and you're all I need. I'm going to take that step. Is this helping anybody? You, you, you know, I, I, I wrote something down that Mrs. Pastor, and Katie always laughs about it, we never thought about it. You know, Dr. Summerall made a statement years ago that I don't think about a lot, but I look back at my life now and I realize the truth in it. He said, if you have to stop and ask yourself, am I in faith, then you're not. Faith people never know they're in faith. They're just following Jesus. Mrs. Pastor, I don't know how long, a month or two, before we knew where we were going, she had all of our stuff packed up in boxes. We're living in a house, and I'm walking around boxes, can't find stuff I need, because we knew we were going to be moving, and she packed it. And Katie laughs about that. You know, her, her and Pastor Dave weren't married yet, or no, they might have been married by then. They come over to our house, there's stuff around boxes. Say, what are you doing that for? Said, we're moving. 
Where are you moving to? We don't know. Where are you going to? We don't know. But we knew the next step. We knew in our hearts. We sought God. We knew God was done with us in Indiana. And we knew we were moving. And so it wasn't a step of faith trying to get God to do something. Because we knew we were full of the knowledge of God's will for our life. And we knew the next thing was we was moving somewhere. And so when you walk with God like we do, when you know what to do, you take the next step. And in your lives, whatever you're looking at, if you know the next step, I'll say this. You're not waiting on God anymore. God's waiting on you. If you don't take the next step, guess what? You're going to die with your dream. I'd rather eat the fruit. I'd rather eat the fruit of it. I would rather sit here and look at Lars and Leah Mata and what God's done for their children, what the God's done for their marriage, what God's done for their lives. They'd maybe sit back in Indiana saying, oh, God, uh, if you'll tell me where to go, we'll start packing. I knew that God just a heart said you're going. Did you hear a voice? No. Did you get some word? No. I just know I pray for him to fill me with the exact knowledge of his will, all wisdom, spiritual understanding, and so it's a knowing. I knew. I knew what to do next. And you know, I just I just look at all the different faces out here. I just there's so many of you people that I can tell the testimonies of your life. In my spirit, I knew God had people that needed what we had, and so we knew the next step was get ready. And so in your life, we know what the step is to do it. And then I want you to notice something else, too, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and being fruitful. Would you say we've been fruitful in California in every good work? You say it's a good work here. And then look at this at increasing in the exact and precise knowledge of God. And what that says is this. What that says is this. As you're taking that step, then you'll be increasing in the knowledge of that will of God. Then you're going to see the next step. Some people want to know everything to do before they do it. Well, our first step after the praying part, <clears throat> and we knew we was moving, was to start packing and get ready. And then also another whole long story. I was temporarily driving a truck at that time for support for the family because my church pretty much went under. I had to quit driving the truck before I had the job. Before I had to do where we was coming. And boy, I tell you what, I about had to get in a fight with my boss just to walk away. Because of my anointing and my Christian lifestyle, he had me go pray for other truck drivers and people. would be doing stuff all the time, get out of my truck. He'd wear me out driving the truck, want me to pray for people. I had to try to quit for at least a year. I walked in three or four times to quit and he wouldn't let me. He'd give me more money and less hours than everything he could to keep me on that job. And finally, the last time I had to say, nope, if I don't get out of here, I'm out of the will of God. Where are you going to work at? And I said, God's got a church for me somewhere. Well, where at? I said, I don't know yet. Well, how, how, well, how are you going to get there? I said, well, I can't get there from here. If I stay here, then I can't get there. So, adios, amigo. We're out of here. Had to say bye. I knew the next step. The next step was I had to walk out of water away from that place. Well, how'd you do that? By faith, not by sight. 
because I was with fear and trembling, very scary. When you know bills are coming, and you've only got X amount of dollars left over to those paychecks, quick coming and things happen. I got a tax return that year, and so I had some money, but I knew that, man, this money runs out, and these paychecks stopped that I got backed up coming, then if God doesn't come through, we're in trouble. So the thing, what I'm telling you is this. When you follow God, you know what to do. As you take that step, then you'll see the next step. But then God's got something called grace. That grace is enablement. God will enable you to do things that you can't do in this natural life. The grace of God opens doors. The grace of God gives you favor. The grace of God helps you do with the gift He's in you what you need to do that He called you to do. And we're talking about our own personal lives, but I know more about me than I do you. So I gotta talk about me more than you because I know me better. And so that's what we did in our lives to get to where we was going. And so increasing in knowledge, and you increase in Bible knowledge by reading the Bible, but right here you increase in this knowledge by praying for God to show you His will and then start to take those steps of action to accomplish the will. So anyway, as you're taking those steps, at verse 11 says God will strengthen you with all might according to His glorious power and all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Patience enables you to stand steady by the strength of God as you endure difficult situations. And long-suffering is dealing with difficult people. That's why he's got two things listed. You have to have patience to make it through tough times and long-suffering to make it through difficult things with people. And then he says, as you're going through this, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet or qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That means this. God has an inheritance through the blood of Jesus recorded the Word of God for you. Prosperity, health, peace of mind, good relationships with your family, things you can do for God. You've got inheritance. And it says as you do this, as you walk in that inheritance, and then always remembering we have been delivered from the authority of darkness. Satan is no longer our master. Jesus is Lord of our life. Satan cannot hold you back from accomplishing the will of God. He might throw things in your way, but when God shows you what to do, if you'll do it, you march right over Satan. Amen? Because you're delivered and translated to the kingdom of His dear Son. We have redemption through His blood, even the remission of sins. And so, I have prayed, and I've prayed over my congregations for years and years and years, and I pray over missionaries. I pray over Dr. Barclay. Spiritual influence is my life. I pray Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, over myself, over people. Because we, as God's people, we've got to know the plan. We've got to know the steps. We've got to have the grace and strength to take those steps. And not quit till we get there. And then all the time just giving Him thanks and praising Him. Because we are inheritors of all that Jesus provided for us. If we do those things, then I know my goal 
is to live long, live strong, fulfill God's plan, purpose for my life, and nobody, nobody that I'm accountable to influence will slip through my fingers because I'm going to do what God wants me to do to influence the people both in this church, around the world, strangers I meet, people God wants me to influence for His glory. I'm going to do that because I'm going to walk in the perfect will of God and know each step to take every step of the way. And if confusion tries to hit, I rebuke confusion. I just praise Jesus, give Him thanks, and I'm going to make it through everything and finish God's plan. Amen? And so that's for you. If you will do those things we talked about tonight, Jesus will meet you every step of the way. He'll make sure you sure you finish what He's called you to do. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.